You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your name, Milwaukee Bucks beat writer at The Athletic. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And bringing you today's podcast is Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked on at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout. Frank, I have been uh, commuting to work the last two days. I've uh, commuted an hour 20 or so from Milwaukee to Madison, uh, in Madison to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee to Madison, and Madison to Milwaukee, because the Milwaukee Bucks are holding their tra- the first three days of their training camp in Madison at the University of Wisconsin. So I'm a little bit road weary tonight, but that is okay. Uh, Nothing compares to like some of the trips across Texas you have to you used to have to make. So like I can't I don't even feel like I can complain. Um, but that's what I've been doing. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I I saw the movie uh, Ad Astra tonight, the uh, Brad Pitt space movie. I'll leave mm-hmm. it at that, uh, which I enjoyed. Um, and you had dinner with our uh, the official uh, Bucks Twitter film critic and film critic of this podcast, J.J. Bursch. So a uh, lot of film intersection happening tonight uh, but for both of us in different ways. Um, and I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. Well, so I'm going to, did I, have I told you this? I'm going to the Bucks Rockets home opener. Did I tell you this? The, the no. opener in Houston. Yeah. So my, my brother-in-law has uh, got season tickets to the Rockets this year. And obviously, you know, he has Bucks tickets to the Bucks game. So of course, sure. He called me. Shout out to Matt for doing that. Um, not a but locked on Bucks listener, I can assure you. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I'm gonna go. Uh, but I don't know. I'm like I'm just very like prepared for it to be annoying and exhausting because um, <laughs> even though the Rockets are nominally my second favorite team because they are, I, I I'm not sure if people know this, but my wife is a Rockets fan. Uh, but it's tough because there's so much like last year, the, the whole Harden Giannis, you know, MVP stuff, basically because of rocket fan bitterness slash James Harden bitterness about not being MVP. Um, I don't know. It's really, it's really kind of, I don't know, cooled my interest in feeling any positive emotions toward the Houston Rockets. And uh, I just feel like it's going to be an annoying 
uh, experience unless the Bucks win, in which case it'll be a freaking awesome experience. So I, I don't know. I'm just prepared for like Harden to score like 45 points and then like all the Rockets fans will be like, oh, MVP. It's like, yeah, great. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so that's 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 my random things going on in my head about the Milwaukee Bucks. But uh, that's that's still, I think that was on the 24th of October. So I still have some time to get agitated or, or whatever. So this summer, have you listened to our friends Ben Goliver and Andrew Sharp on the Open Floor podcast? Uh, I've listened to some, but I maybe haven't had. Did you hear them discuss Harden and Giannis at all? I don't think I did. I mean, they are they they are obviously the self styled Giannis Inc. board member, so I might guess which direction this would go. But enlighten me for and enlighten our listeners who who maybe haven't listened. Surprisingly, it didn't go that way. Oh, really? Uh, so it was the, I think it was like the week that Harden did whatever interview with whoever he's done a bunch of them where he's talked about how he should have been the MVP and all of a sudden the media falls in love with this guy and now he's the MVP and I did, I scored this many points in this many games and I had this stretch and like, so he gives some interview about that and Ben Goliver, who is, I co-chairman or co-CEO of Giannis Inc. uh, mentions the fact that everything is pretty easy for, for Giannis right now where, you know, like one of their listeners had, had written an email and was like, Oh, what would you do if you were James Harden's PR guy? Like how would you get him out of this rut of like continuously complaining about not being MVP and all this? And, Goliver is like, well, I mean, I, as a reporter, I like honesty and, you know, if this is how he actually feels, then that's great. And I, I want him to continue to share that. And he was like, and honestly for Giannis right now, it's, it's really easy. Like he can just say all the right things. He can say, it's not about championship. It's about that. And, you know, it's really easy to continue to be like the media darling or, or something to that extent. And in my head, I was just kind of thinking like, well, you know, James Harden could do that too, right? <laughs> like he, he could he could just say that he's not concerned about a second MVP and he's more concerned about a championship in Houston and doing all those things. So like why why mention that? And then he was just like, Yeah, like it's okay if he's he's pissed off about that and you know, like it not working out or whatever and He's like, and we don't really ever like get like a a real like raw version of of Giannis about him like being pissed off or like failing his team or anything like that. And as the guy that wrote the story, yeah, about I was Giannis, gonna, feeling I, those I, exact I, things. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I at the time I was like, like just like walking around Milwaukee. Um, just listen to podcasts because that's kind of what I do to kind of clear my mind, like down by Lake Michigan in the summer. Uh, like I was listening to it and like, I immediately like fired off, uh, like a text to sharp. And I was just like, Hey man, uh, listen to the, to the last podcast. Like I always do. You guys are great. But can you tell your boy Gulliver, like that exact thing is what I wrote about in, uh, he was like, Oh man. He's like, as he said it, I was thinking the same thing. He was like, I love that article. That was awesome. He's like, Giannis did that. He's like, but I couldn't, he's like, Gulliver was ready going. So I couldn't stop him. And I was like, okay. Um, but I, I, all of that is really interesting to me. Like how to play the quote unquote game of getting MVPs. And like, yeah, Giannis, I think plays it pretty well. And he, 
it, there was just kind of like this idea that at some point that that will turn for Giannis, that people will like stop finding that endearing. And in my head, I started to like think through it. And I was like, will people ever not find that endearing? Like if he is all about the team, like I'm sure at some point you can say, Oh, you know, that's fake. But if, if that is really how he is and every once in a while, he kind of flies off the handle and gives some raw emotion in an interview to me or anyone else. Like, well, then I, I, I'd be forced to believe him. What do you think about any of that? So I, and again, apologies to Golliver or Sharp if I didn't paraphrase that in the right way. I, I mean, I think what this just comes down to is that like individual accolades just mean more to James Harden. And he's, you know, later in his career, he obviously has, um, you know, the Rockets have had some near misses, right. Uh, with, with, a couple of series against the Warriors where they came as close to anyone up until the, you know, the Raptors took down the very, you know, decimated C team version of the Warriors in the finals. Um, you know, before that the Rockets came as close as anyone. And again, I mean, I know horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Like there's, there's, <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess the Rockets have tried to, you know, and, and not to very good effect, sort of make the argument that, well, they actually like, you know, sort of deserve to have won a championship or whatever they, they claimed at some point. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think just fundamentally, it just, I think it just speaks to what James Harden is about and what Giannis is about. And, um, you know, I, I don't say that as someone who dislikes James Harden, because I've always liked him, respected him. I, you know, if, if he had won the MVP last year, I really wouldn't have, been like mad about it you know i mean he was incredible he's just a fundamentally different player in you know many respects to obviously Giannis. um and so yeah i mean you know in in his way he he certainly had an mvp caliber season so um so yeah i don't know i mean it's just it just seems kind of like you know it's just sort of one of those those things that just you i mean the fact that it, it's just a little off-putting especially relative to Giannis, that it does seem to matter so much to him and Again, I mean, he's won an MVP. You know, it's not like he's like, you know, never won one and always gotten screwed over. I mean, I know he's been the guy year in and year out who's always right there, um, you know, for these last four or five years, with the exception of that one year where the Rockets were really disappointing. Um, so on the one hand, it's like, I don't know. I mean, whatever, like great players have egos. I get that. Um, he isn't like necessarily wrong to feel like he is an MVP caliber player. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, just realize, like, if you're going to publicly say that a lot and hint to some sort of, as though, like, you know, the guy that won it wasn't deserving or whatever, then, you know, it's going to look petty and, you know, people are going to kind of wonder why you can't just get over it, (laughs) you know, which is kind of my feeling about it. And, um, yeah, so, so I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just kind of one of those things that, um, I I think it makes the Rockets, I think that much more interesting this year, just because, uh, you know, I mean, we thought. Chris Paul playing with, with Harden was going to be, you know, like an interesting dynamic. Oh, you know, is Harden going to have to share the ball more, play off ball more, blah, blah, blah. And obviously some of it was due to Chris Paul being injured, especially last year, but nope, that didn't, that, that <laughs> <laughs> there was no question about who was taking the back seat between those two guys when Paul was there for those two years. And, you know, now throwing Russell Westbrook in that mix is almost like, you know, doubling down on like how 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 much you know like challenging Harden to continue to be ball dominant even with the other most ball dominant guy in 
I don't know, my lifetime, probably. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody else, you know, you can really make a case in, in league history, um, necessarily has been as ball dominant as those two guys, especially as for perimeter players. So, um, so I, I it's, it's going to be a really interesting team to watch. I don't know. I mean, I think the Rockets are going to be really good. Um, I don't think it's out of the question at all that they could come out of the West, but uh, you know, I think the other piece of this is, you know, the perception that, you know, if Harden had the perception of like raising his game in the playoffs or even just playing to the same level in the playoffs, um, I think you probably have less kind of skepticism or noise or questions about why he's so obsessed with the MVP. But the fact that, you know, he seems to worry about the MVP so much and um, has, you know, just had a history of not quite being able to replicate his great play in the playoffs and, you know, has had some kind of memorable stinkers, right? I mean, the, the game against the Spurs in an elimination game um, a few years ago when Kawhi Leonard wasn't even playing, where they got demolished and he was just totally MIA. And, you know, even even the tremendous comeback against the Clippers years ago where they came back from, you know, down 19 or whatever it was in LA and up winning that series. You know, in that game, he basically didn't play in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> and they, they had this incredible play. So, Again, I don't think there's anything like fundamentally broken about James Harden or that he's like just not clutch or something like that. But, uh, you know, you see the Rockets over and over and over again. And um, I, I can understand how he would become more defensible, I think. Um, and, you know, I think there you can make some arguments in different ways that some of the same logic might apply to the Bucks, right? If you see the Bucks over and over and over again, maybe you can adapt to them um, and slow them down a little bit better. Um but we'll see. I mean, I think certainly with Houston, it's it's obviously been a recurring theme. So there's that weird tension of the fact that he, on the one hand, the Rockets have been as close to anyone um, in in upsetting kind of a full strength Golden State team these past few years. But the flip side is it still feels like Harden's success has ultimately, you know, been a letdown when it comes to to what's happened in the playoffs. So anyway, hopefully my wife hasn't listened to this and um, become disappointed in me. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. Go Bucks! I really, 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 really want Giannis to just destroy the Rockets in uh, in in the opener in, in Houston. Although <laughs> I feel like Houston actually has played him pretty well. These, especially last year, uh, PJ Tucker and company actually defended him pretty well. Um, but obviously, Bucks winning both games last year was a let's just say a nice uh, a nice little uh, cherry on top as far as the that MVP battle goes. It certainly took away some of the ammo from from the pro Harden crowd, even if it was just you know two games out of eighty two. So you mentioned the fact that like Harden isn't totally broken in the playoffs, and I guess I'm right. using yeah. that to uh, segue into something that has at sometimes been completely broken. Um, Yasa's jump shot was that <laughs> two on the nose? Uh, sorry, um, I thought you but, were going. I thought I thought you were taking a, a left hand turn into Eric Bledsoe discussion. So I'm kind of glad. Uh, okay. Glad we didn't. Okay. I, I feel like we we just up on blood too much but anyway yes the other broken thing in our bucks lives so there has been some training camp video that has come out and uh our good friend dean mania at all the bucks on twitter uh returned from his offseason slumber and tweeted something out about Giannis's form potentially looking different uh in one of the the jump shots that the bucks put out in one of their videos and so I guess this is this is what I'll ask you, Frank. Um, are you Zapruder filming uh, Giannis jump shots anymore, or no? I, I guess for for me, no. Okay, yeah, because for me, like 
I'm just at a spot where I'm like, I need to see it in games and I'm not going to be convinced it is fixed or better, or there's a, you know, like a shot that it's going to be a really consistent three ball until it's a really consistent three ball. Is that crazy? Are you with me on that? Or kind of how do you try to go through that and look at it? Yeah. I mean, we just saw Giannis look like, you know, a typically Giannis, not particularly good jump shooter uh, for Greece. Um, he didn't, you know, was inconsistent from the free throw line again. Uh, no indication there was any, you know, dramatic uh, re-architecting of his jump shot or, you know, fundamental change in, and certainly not the results that we saw with, uh, with Greece. So I don't know, we've, we've done this so many times where, you know, the stories of him reworking his jump shot, getting, you know, last year, a new shooting coach um, in Ben Sullivan, whatever. Right. I mean, he was terrible from three for the first, you know, he came around obviously towards the end of the season, but obviously huge disappointment shooting the ball overall last season from three. Um, really also disappointing shooting from the foul line, especially in the playoffs where he really struggled in that Toronto series. Um, so again, I mean, you know, there was, I know talk about Kyle Korver and uh, Kyle Korver giving him and other Bucks players, you know, tips and things like that. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't really believe in, uh, you know, osmosis of shooting talent. Um, there have been lots of guys who were way, 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 way better jump shooters than Giannis who've come through Milwaukee these past few years. And I don't know if any of them are quite Kyle Korver level. Um, but I think if it was as simple as like, you know, telling him to keep his elbow in or follow through or whatever, right. Um, I I don't know. I mean, you know, again, he's had NBA, you know, say what we will about obviously the Jason Kidd era. Um, he's been around lots of basketball lifers, lots of teammates who could shoot the three ball very well. I don't think, you know, uh, uh, some time with Kyle Korver is going to turn him into a great jump shooter. Uh, I don't think, you know, again, if, if, if he reworked his jump shot entirely between the world cup and today, that probably would be more of a warning flag to me than, than anything. Yeah. Cause it's like, uh, maybe start that in the beginning of the summer. Um, so anyway, so I, I, I will not put much of any stock into, you know, one shot here or there until, uh, like you're saying, we see it in, uh, in competitive game action consistently. And we actually see results. Um, cause he, he did do some things. Last year, I mean, he was more obvious with his free throw stroke, I think. Um, and it didn't really pay off last year. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if there's different results this year. And sometimes, obviously, it can take a while. It's obviously, I think with Giannis in particular, I think there's a huge mental component to, to all this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we know he can shoot 77, 78% from the free throw line because he's done that in the NBA over a full season. Um and he just has to do it. And I don't think, you know, for free throws, I don't think tweaking his motion a little here or there is really like going to unlock something necessarily. I think to be honest, a lot of it's just comfort and, um, and mental stuff, um, which is either good or bad. Right. Um, and then I think with his three ball, again, I think a lot of it's probably at this point, just confidence and just picking one way to shoot these damn things and just, getting some muscle memory doing that right because there's obviously just been a lot of changes and you can just tell i mean when he misses he still misses really badly even when he even when he you know shot better i think he shot what 33 percent 
in, I don't know if it was the second half or since January one or whatever might've been, but, um, you know, and even when he was doing that, like he still is prone to missing really badly. And, um, I think that just sort of speaks to the fact that, you know, his mechanics just aren't that consistent. Right. When, when he makes them, it looks, Oh yeah. Yeah. It looks like those should go in. Right. Uh, and when he mm-hmm. misses them, moo, you know, who left a, who left, <laughs> who left a massive gate open to, uh, to, to let the wind in or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best to resist, uh, reacting to, you know, Oh, his, his, his release tonight looks really smooth or, you know, whatever. Right. Cause I just, I don't trust it until I, I'm, I'm just, you know, we just, we've just seen this so many times at this point that, um, I just want to see some results and, uh, I guess I'm, I'm eager to see, to see those results hopefully, but, uh, but I'm, I'm definitely not coming in with, with huge expectations or, uh, or I'm, I'm, I'm also just trying to obviously temper it, um, seeing how, how things go. Yeah. I, I think at, at this point, that's just the best way to go about this because yeah, you can, I mean, you can have as many false starts on this as you want where, oh yeah, like this has changed or this is fixed or, you know, put them side by side and see that it's, you know, five degrees different on the release or uh, his feet are slightly different. Like, I just feel like a lot of times you can kind of get into confirmation bias where you you look at the makes and you think, yep, that's, that's it. Or you look at the misses and you say, Oh no, nothing's like, I just think you can kind of make yourself believe what you want to believe at times uh, with that jump shot. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just seeing him do it consistently um, and see kind of how he, he tries to use it in the situations that he uses it in and, all of that is important, but yeah, until it's, it's for real, for real. Um, I just don't know if, if you can believe anything has changed. So we will, we'll keep an eye on that. We also keep an eye on Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout. You mentioned Kyle Korver and I get, so there's some like bigger picture stuff with, with training camp that, that we could kind of talk about, but I want to hit on some of the the smaller things first. Uh, Again, thinking about like the video that the, the bucks are are out here releasing and you know, what you get to see, like you got to see uh, Luke may go up against Giannis uh, and try to cover him one-on-one and, well, I think you know how it ended for Luke May. Um, no one with the organization told me that the Bucks' first unit beat up so badly on Luke May that Giannis isn't playing anymore. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's indicative of Luke May really competing or anything like that. Um, By the way, I, I hope the I, it's it's not going to happen. But part of me like wishes there was a way for Luke May to at least stay in the orbit of the Bucks. You know, maybe play for the herd or something, just because ever since seeing him at media day and, and just thinking that he looked like, you know, like one of us, like 
blogger type people had well, had just uh, stolen into yeah, well, uh, well. <laughs> had stolen into the photo shoot and stolen a jersey and and taken a picture of himself. <laughs> I I just want him to to like be around the Bucks somehow so we can just keep the blogger as his nickname and just keep that going. Um, and maybe inspire him to actually write about his travails as a, as a basketball hopeful. And of course, I, as I make fun of Luke May, I should acknowledge Luke May was a really good college really basketball good. player at North Carolina. I mean, you know, national champion, right? Like, hit, didn't he hit like the yeah. basically the game winning shot in the national championship game? Like, am I making oh yeah, that up? he was quite important at North Carolina. Um, yes. Yeah. So he he is. Uh, you know, again, I'm I'm certainly diminishing his accomplishments. He's not just some random dude who you know was a uh, towel waver or something like that at some random school. I mean, he actually was an impact player for uh, one of the most storied fran- uh, franchise, one of the most storied universities. In, you can call uh, it a franchise, in, if yeah, we're being honest. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a franchise. it's a business. It's a business. Roy Williams, uh, he's doing okay for himself. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, it is kind of funny that Luke May is, is uh, just, I mean, again, it's, it's just weird to see someone who looks so much like me uh, wearing a, a tank top Bucks jersey and uh, actually being on the team. So that, that's funny. I, well, I'm I'm gonna have to really savor probably this uh this scrimmage on uh, this weekend, the open scrimmage this weekend, just because uh, I'm not sure how many more chances I'm gonna get to see Luke May in uh in in some type of Bucks uniform. So again, hopefully you guys all got the reference to the Lakers leaking out that LeBron and AD were so good against the Lakers second unit that he might sit out some uh, in practice. That was the reference I was making with Giannis. There's no talk of. Giannis sitting out because the the Bucks number ones are beating up on anyone. Um, But so you see some of those things and two things kind of caught my eye. Um, The first I don't think is really all that interesting because I think both you and I have seen this as inevitable. Uh, There's I think it's a clip of like Wesley Matthews kicking it out to Robin Lopez who shoots a top of the key three. Um, I, I mean, since, like from the moment that the Bucks brought in Robin Lopez, anyone you talk to has said, "Hey, this is what's going to happen. Like he's going to shoot threes. John Horace said it. Bud said it. I think Brooke Lopez joked about it. Like everyone thinks he's going to shoot threes on Media Day again. We we got to hear that apparently Robin or Brooke said that Eric. Bledsoe said that Robin was lighting it up from three. And when I asked Robin about it, he didn't want to confirm it, but I don't, I'm not surprised that Robin Lopez is shooting three. I can't imagine you are either. It's more or less just confirmation of what I was expecting. Same with you. Uh, I mean, we need to see, I mean, the the basketball gods demand Robin Lopez shoot threes because I personally need to see his three point celebration. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think there, there's been talk about, I think John Horst, I think, I don't know if Bud's talked about it, but I, think, I know John Horst talked about the, the, you know, expectation that, that Robin would shoot threes. Uh, it's, it's in the water here, obviously in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, I think the comparison is less to, to Brooke actually, because Brooke was shooting a lot of threes before he came to Milwaukee and more to John Henson, right? I mean, John Henson <laughs> started knocking down threes, uh, before he was traded last year. So, uh, if John Henson starts, you know, shooting threes liberally, then then I have to think Robin Lopez will as well. And again, we need to see that. Uh, you know, I don't know what are we calling that celebration? It's like high tea or something like that. It's like some 
some yeah, sort of uh, some sort of some sort of like tea drinking related uh, thing. It's very flamboyant, uh, which uh, yes. makes it just fantastic. Um, so that was the one. That was one of the things that you know I think some people noted and was just like to me, yeah, I think that's what Robin's going to do. Like they they brought him in and want him to do that, so he's going to do it. Um, the other thing though was there was like a. Uh, a wide pin down that Kyle Korver came off of in shot of three. And it, it was the second time a wide pin down had either been seen or mentioned because uh, on media day, Wes Matthews had mentioned the fact that he was like, Oh yeah. Like I've chased him around a bunch of wide pin downs and now I'm on his team and I get to watch him do some of those. So it was like, okay, that that's different. And I guess why that's interesting is the Bucks didn't run wide pin downs last year. They, they didn't run those for anyone. And and again, you can probably argue they didn't have the personnel to do so, which I think is fair. But also, could a guy like Chris Middleton come off a wide pin down? Yeah, he could. But the Bucks didn't run it through those things. And, you know, could Tony Snell? Yeah, he probably could have. And the Bucks didn't really run those for him. Um as we're talking about how this Bucks team gets better and how, you know, the offense progresses, I feel like all of those little things and over at the athletic, I was looking through like play style, like play type styles in how the Bucks scored last year. And, you know, like it was really extreme that they scored more in transition than anyone else in the league. They uh, scored a bunch in isolation, not, Rockets level, but like eight, nine percent of their plays were isolation, which was good for like the third most in the league. And uh, they had a bunch of spot up looks and they didn't have a ton off of cuts or anything like that. And, you know, they didn't really have any pick and roll looks and everything like made a lot of sense, but everything was to the extremes where it was like, all right, we're going to beat somebody in isolation. We're going to drive. We're going to kick it out. We're going to try to get out and run. And all of those things you may notice are pretty simplistic. There's not a lot of other action in there. So having a guy like Kyle Corbett that can come off a wide pin down and actually get some looks that way is a more creative and a different and a unique way to actually score. So I found that kind of interesting to like actually see Kyle Corbett do that and start to even in the first couple of days have a look like that where is a wide pin down particularly confusing. No, it's pretty simple play. You just set a single screen, but that is a little bit different and a little bit of a wrinkle that the bucks didn't offer last year as, you know, like an offensive option. Yeah. And I think um, with Corver in particular, I mean, you don't take Kyle Corver and sign him and put him on the floor in order to, you know, just, have him stand in the corner and, and hope he gets like an open look that way. Right. Um, he, he is uniquely capable of creating gravity running off screens. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys like him. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, JJ Reddick, Steph, you know, obviously Steph does way, way more other things beyond, uh, what, what those guys can do. But, uh, but yeah, I mean the, the fact that he can shoot so well off the move, um, it, it, it does give you kind of a different, a different look that you can run um, with him. And, and again, the, the fact that the defense obviously needs to account for that in a different way than just a guy spotting up. who's really good at spotting up, obviously. Um, 
So I'm, I, you know, I, I think we, I think we would have argued, well, you need to be more creative in creating in, in kind of trying to set up those looks, especially when teams collapse on Giannis, um, even though the Bucks obviously predicated much of their offense on that last year. Um, but you know, they, it's, it's kind of, I mean, we've talked about this. It's kind of weird. Like Middleton and Bledsoe were weirdly bad at, at spot up shots last year, like open spot up shooting last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that, I mean, there's no reason to think that they'll continue to be way better at pull up shots than spot up shots. Um, so, I mean, maybe it washes if they just sort of reverse and kind of return to historical norms, but obviously in an ideal world, you'd hope that they continue to, you know, hit open spot up shots and, and also kind of return to their normal career averages as more like, you know, high thirties type type spot up guys or in Middleton's case, maybe a little bit better. So we'll, so we'll see. Yeah. But I think Corver and, and I don't know, even Matthew, Wes Matthews, to some extent, you know, maybe a candidate for, for those types of plays, mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, he's also a guy who, who will shoot from long range and, you know, isn't a guy who necessarily needs to just be standing dead still and, uh, and wait for, for the ball to, to be wide open to shoot. So um, certainly if you're looking for, uh, you know, <laughs> silver linings or things to maybe hope offset some of Malcolm Brogdon's departure, again, I think we'd both agree the, those guys do not make up for Malcolm Brogdon's departure offensively, um, but at least there there maybe are some things that they can do differently, uh, which again also just give you know opposing defenses a little bit different look, make them a little bit less predictable. And um, you know I don't know if Kyle Korver is going to be playing in the playoffs, but I think certainly in that Toronto series uh, we saw that they became a little too predictable and easy to defend in the half court, and obviously that's you know, ultimately going to be probably where the season's success and failure is defined is whether they can kind of shake that off and um, show different wrinkles, show, you know, the ability to counter punch in a way that we didn't see in games, you know, two through six last year. Yeah. And or three through six. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, like I mentioned this when Corver first signed, but you know, whether or not Corver can actually play a significant minutes in the playoffs, like, shit, one of those games where you're not hitting any threes in in like the eight to four minute mark of the second quarter, you bring him on with Giannis, like get him four looks real quick. Maybe all of a sudden he hits two of those or three of those and you've swung the game, right? Like he can have, like he's that good of a shooter that he can have that type of impact that again, that's that's not for 48 minutes. But in those four minutes, if all of a sudden you've swung the game, it's huge. It, it it's it's insane. Like it, that is incredibly significant. And you know, we talked about how Miritich might be that get hot guy and swing a playoff game, right? Well, he did the exact opposite. He got very cold and swung playoff games. And you know, if, if there was some moments there where you could have used Corver, like that would be it. That. You have to have you have to have someone glued to him at all times, and maybe that opens things up even just slightly for Giannis. Or if the Raptors decide to keep it as tight as they did defensively, all of a sudden they're going to be made to pay because Kyle Korver is the one shooting that spot up. And um, yeah, I think it, it helps diversify uh, their offerings offensively, and and that that could be significant. So um, that is that is all we have for tonight. I'm going to make my trip to Madison one more time. Uh, I guess today, by the time you guys are listening to this on Thursday, but I'll do that one more time and we'll see if there's anything else uh, 
significant from Thursday. Eric Bledsoe made his first appearance on Wednesday after missing Tuesday uh, because he was still with his family after uh, his wife Morgan had had a, had a child. So he made his first appearance on Wednesday. He is supposed to be available to talk to the media on Thursday. Uh, so maybe we'll have a Bledsoe upset, update and we can talk a little bit about that. But for tonight, that is all we have. Other than to remind you that Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $38 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Dane. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.